Amen. Thank you, Jeff. As I thought of that song, I thought that song was just such a great prayer. God, I, I want you to get a hold of my life and to shape me as you choose. And I also thought about that. I said, you know, until the potter shapes us, we're just a lump of clay. I thought, Lord, help me to be more than a lump. That just doesn't sound like something people want to be around, a lump. And so, Lord, shape me that I might be useful. So thank you for reminding us of that. This morning, uh, we're going to look at the importance of attitude, of living life to the full, being more than a lump, being a useful vessel of God. Solomon was a guy who had it all, tried it all, but he, in that quest, comes back to realizing that all the time, God was what he needs. And we're going to look this morning at, at some principles that are critical to living life to the full. God tells us that we don't have to just exist. Man, He wants us to live. And, and we're going to look at that. Uh, turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 11. We're moving close to the end here of our study in Ecclesiastes. And we'll look at 11, starting at verse 7, through the first verse of chapter 12. And I'm going to ask when you find the text there to stand in God's honor as I read from His Word, the Scriptures. Light is sweet, and it pleases the eyes to see the sun. However many years a man may live, let him enjoy them all. But let him remember the days of darkness, for they will be many. Everything to come is meaningless. Be happy, young man, while you're young. Let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart, whatever your eyes see. But know that for all these things, God will bring you to judgment. So then, banish anxiety from your heart. Cast off the troubles of your body. For youth and vigor are meaningless. Remember your Creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come, and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. Let's pray. Master, I don't understand myself often, Lord. I know I need you, and yet I tend to leave you out of my life. Key places, key times, God. I can't live life to the full without you. And I just pray this morning as we take time to look at this section of your word that you would help us to see clearly that when we leave you out, Lord, we miss life. We miss the joy that you have for us, Lord. And so I just ask that you might speak through the time that remains Lord, I ask for your anointing. I ask for the filling of your spirit. I ask for a sense of conviction. I ask, Father, for clarity that I would stumble over my effort to speak. I ask, Father, that uh, for courage um, when needed. Father, just that you might just speak, Lord. Uh, we need to hear from you, God. And so we seek you. In your name we pray. Amen. You know, Jesus said... I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. It says in um, 
Second Corinthians chapter 1, verses 20. He says, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through Him the Amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. If there's anybody who should have an attitude of victory, who should enjoy life, it should be God's kids. It should be His children. We should be the ones with the best attitude. We shouldn't harbor stinking thinking. But instead, man, we ought to be the big optimists if there's any optimism out there. Matter of fact, uh, one of my favorite stories involved a set of young twins who couldn't be any more different in their attitudes. One was the ultimate optimist. One was the ultimate pessimist. And the parents were really worried. They thought, you know, these kids need some balance. So they went to a child psychologist. The child psychologist said, we have a form of treatment for this. He said, bring the kids in and we have a, a mirror that we can look through and they can't see us as we watch them. But we'll have them in two separate rooms where we can keep an eye on them and uh, we'll deal with this issue. And the parents said, okay, it sounds good. So they took the kid that was the eternal pessimist and they put him in a room with all these neat toys. And then they took the other kid and they put him in a room that had nothing but a, a pool full of manure. And so they watched through the glass at these kids. And the first kid, he sat in there and he cried. And he said, there's nobody to play with. Not these toys, but they're worthless because there's just nobody to play with. And then they looked through the, the mirror at the other kid. And man, he was digging through the manure. And he was smiling. And he was happy. And he was laughing. And they thought, this is crazy. And, and so they took the kids and they, they took the kid out there and he was crying because he didn't have anybody to play with. And then they asked their other child, they said, why are you so happy? He said, well, I figured. He said, any place where there's all this manure, there must be a pony hiding in there somewhere. <laughs> what an attitude. You know, when the tough times come, God is still with us. God is still there to comfort us. And, and so let's look at our text here as we go down through here. And I want to look, the first principle here is to live realistically as we face life. Starting at verse 7, I want to read verses 7 and 8. Light is sweet and it pleases the eyes to see the sun. However, many years a man may live, let him enjoy them all. But let him remember the days of darkness, for they will be many. Everything to come is meaningless. Light is sweet. You know, I I know we need rain, and I know it's it's a good thing, but man, when you have just a lot of days where it's cloudy and it's overcast, it just gets to be depressing. I'm so grateful I don't live in one of those areas where it tends to be cloudy all the time. You know, some of those places that you hear about. I'm so grateful that when the sun comes out, and it really does affect the attitude. I feel so much better when, you know, recently we had that uh, time where it seemed like it was cloudy every day, and I was so grateful to see the sunshine, be able to poke through and, and be able to see that blue sky, and it just energizes you. It just makes you feel so much better. But we know that the rain will come. We know the clouds will be there. And I think as he speaks here, this is a poetic way 
where Solomon says, you know, you have those days of sunshine and you have those days of clouds. But that God is there through both of them. And you know, for the one who doesn't understand God, the one who has not been changed by His power, there's no understanding of the clouds. The clouds just something to avoid at all costs. The rain is something that's always bad. But as we know, God uses the rain to help the plants grow as a part of life. And in our lives, He can take the bad and, and, and He can bring blessing. And you know, I love, well, I don't love it, but I say that. In James 1, 2 through 4, so clear what He says. He says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, and we can add sisters too, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may grow up. You know, um, God wants us to grow up. And He takes those tough times to help us to, to grow up, to mature, to become complete, as it says at the end of that text. To, 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 to grow up. And, and man, I, we may not like the tough times, but through the tough times, God is making us like His Son, Jesus Christ. And we need to understand that, that, that the good and the bad God uses it was a college student that was always bragging about his hometown was, was, you know, in the middle of nowhere and you took a ride to get there. And so everybody was like, why in the world is he always bragging about his hometown? It's in the backwoods, in back of the backwoods. So what's the big deal? And so he asked him one day, he said, what is so great about your town? He said, what's so great about my town is you can get anywhere from there. And you know, when you think about it, in the Lord Jesus Christ, all His promises are yes. There's nowhere we can't go. He'll get us out of it. He'll take care of us. We're all testimonies. We're here. We haven't exploded. We haven't died. And we were able to get here. And God has taken care of us. And we can trust in Him. And so we shouldn't go through life just always looking for the negative. Like the cartoon character, I was trying to remember which one it was, and a cloud followed him everywhere he went. That, that's not the heart that God wants us to have. Uh, I want to share with you, this is a quote from John Gardner that reminds me how we often are in our land. If happiness could be found in having material things and in being able to indulge yourself in things that you consider pleasurable, then we in America would be deliriously happy. We would be telling one another frequently of our unparalleled bliss rather than trading tranquilizer prescriptions. We often miss the simple blessings that are around us. Especially in a land where we have so much. I think of 1 Timothy 6. Verse 6, that says, Contentment with godliness is great gain. Then the next verse says, For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. And you drop down a few verses and it says, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil and that people fall into that trap. Guys, it's not in how much stuff we have. It's not in what we may get. But it's in He who loves us that we got to find our identity and our hope. And so often, you know, as you look at God's people, as I said Wednesday night, they're saved, sanctified, and soured. And that certainly shouldn't, shouldn't 
uh, identifies. Now, let's look at the next truth here. To live responsibly. Look with me, starting here at verse 9. Be happy, young man, while you're young. And let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eyes see. But know that for all these things, God will bring you to judgment. Notice a balance here. He, he opens here, he says, be happy. I mean, let your heart give you joy. I mean, have fun. You know, sometimes it, it seems like in the church, misery is holiness. It's not meant to be that way. It's good to have fun. That's one thing I love about you guys. A lot of y'all know how to have fun. And y'all, it's great. I love to be able to joke and cut up. and You know, you have to have a little bit of a thick skin around here. But it's all in love. All for Jesus. You know. I don't think he meant that the cross, deny yourself, take up his cross, meant picking each other at Kingsway. But, but all in fun. And, and we ought to have fun. God loves us. And, and you know, Oliver Wendell Holmes said he almost became a preacher. He said, but what kept him from becoming a preacher, everyone he knew looked like an undertaker. You know, God forgive us. Let's have fun. Uh, I have a whole file of sermon openers that I don't really use that much, but I thought, you know, let's just have a little fun. I, these are some prayers of children. I want to share for just a couple of minutes here. Uh, some of them, kids teach us how to have fun. Because, you know, they just haven't learned how to be boring yet. They're just honest and open and have fun. Anyway, here's a few prayers I'm going to share with you. Dear Pastor, I know everybody. I know God loves everybody, but He never met my sister. Yours sincerely, Arnold, age 8. Dear Pastor, Please say in your sermon that Peter Peterson has been a good boy all week. I am Peter Peterson. Sincerely, Pete, age 9. Dear Pastor, my father should be a minister. Every day he gives us a sermon about something. Robert, age 11. (laughs) Dear Pastor, I'm sorry I can't leave more money in the plate, but my father didn't give me a raise in my allowance. Could you have a sermon about a raise in my allowance? Love, Patty, age 10. Dear Pastor, my mother's very religious. She goes to play bingo at church every week, even if she has a cold. Yours truly, Annette, age 9. Dear Pastor, I would like to go to heaven someday because I know my brother won't be there. Stephen, age (laughs) 8. Dear Pastor, I think a lot more people would come to your church if you moved it to Disneyland. Laureen, age 9. Dear Pastor, I liked your sermon where you said that good health is more important than money. But I still want to raise my allowance. Sincerely, Eleanor. <laughs> Dear Pastor, please pray for all the airline pilots. I'm flying to California tomorrow. Laurie, <laughs> age 10. Dear Pastor, I hope to go to heaven someday, but later than sooner. Love, Ellen, age 9. Um, Dear Pastor, my father says I should learn the Ten Commandments, but I don't think I want to because we have enough rules already in my house. Joshua, age 10. <laughs> Dear Pastor, who does God pray to? Is there a God for God? Wow, that's a deep one there, Chris. Dear Pastor, are there any devils on earth? I think there may be one in my class. <laughs> Carla, H10. 
Dear Pastor, I liked your sermon on Sunday, especially when it was finished. (laughs) Ralph, age 11. Dear Pastor, how does God know the good people from the bad people? Do you tell Him, or does He read about it in the newspapers? Sincerely, Marie, age 9. You know, we ought to be able to have fun. Kids remind us because they're honest. They're honest. And and I think God I think God likes that. But he also says here not only to enjoy, to have a joy. He says, understand that judgment is coming. We pay a price when we leave God out. And of course the ultimate price if we leave God out is that we'll be separated from Him for all of eternity. We don't like to talk about that four letter word called hell. But the Bible says clearly that Jesus died on the cross for a reason so that we might know Him and that we might not face His judgment and pay a price for our sin. And and so we, we have to know that. And Hebrews 4.13 says, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of Him to whom we must give account. Man, God knows and God sees. And we need to be aware of that fact that God, guys, is aware of us. I mean, what we do, what we say, what we think, God knows. We may pretend like He doesn't, but He does. And and you know, I think when we really begin to grow in our faith, when God really gets a hold of us, and He's able to use us for His purposes, is when we begin to simply understand He is there. And He loves us, and He wants to use us for His glory. But He wants us to understand there are consequences when we leave Him out. When we don't do what He says, when we don't follow Him. There are consequences. And so guys, we need to live in that awareness of God. Understanding that when we miss Him, there's a price. Of course, the ultimate price if you never trust Him. But even after you're His kid, you can miss His best and you can miss His blessings. This preacher died and he went to heaven. Man, he was, you know, he was excited. 43 years faithful to preach the Word of God. Went up there and he saw this guy that was really rough looking. Had on leather jacket. Looked like a hell's angel kind of, you know, covered in tattoos. Just a rough looking guy. Man, that guy, he got this silk robe. He got this gold scepter. And I mean, it was great, man. This preacher got fired up. He thought, well, if he got that, man, I can't wait to see what I get. I can't wait to see how God is going to clothe me in righteousness. I'm fired up. Well, came his turn and he got this old cotton robe that had holes in it. And he got this wooden scepter. He said, man, this is just wrong. So he, he, he spoke to the head angel there in charge of all this. And he said, I don't understand. He said, what is the deal? I preached the gospel faithfully for 43 years. And I get this and he gets that. What do he do? He said, well, so he was a taxi driver in New York City. He said, when you worked, people slept. When he worked, people prayed. (laughs) And you know, we laugh about that because we think, what is holy? Is holy just when, you know, a preacher preaches? Or is holy just when a Sunday school teaches? Sunday school teacher teaches? Or what is holy? 
Is it just when we do a, quote, church activity? No. Holy is when we do something that points people to God. When our lives, when our words, when our hearts are pointing people to God. And that's not just a church activity. That's your life. You are called to be a missionary no matter what you do. No matter who you are. God has a place for all of us to be used by Him. To live responsibly for Him. One more here, guys, and I'm done. To live reverently. Starting at verse 10, he says, So then banish anxiety from your heart and cast off the troubles of your body. For youth and vigor are meaningless. Remember your Creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. Okay, three truths from these verses here. First, to have a clear heart. Notice he says, banish anxiety from your heart. You know, why do we get anxious? It's because we forget God loves us. We forget that He's at work. And we worry. You say, nah, that's not why. Well, think about it. If you really felt God loved you and that He was watching you, you'd be concerned that you wouldn't be just Covered in worry. I love the verse Psalm sixty-eight nineteen that says, Praise be to the Lord, to God our Savior, who daily bears our burdens. He daily cares about you. He daily bears your burdens. He loves you. And you can rest in that. You can trust in that. The anxiety comes from stinking thinking that God's forgotten me, that God doesn't love me, that God's not interested in my plight. He is. It may not work out like you want. I always say there's a difference between my preference and what He wants. But it doesn't mean He doesn't love me. And we can rest in Him and we can trust in Him. As He said, you can trust His heart when you, when you, don't, when you can't see His hand at work. Trust His heart as He works. Um, whether it's good or bad, He still loves us. Uh, second... We need to put away evil and pain. Notice it says here in the second part of the verse here, to cast off troubles of your body. You know, sometimes it's not a real mystery why as you get older you got some of these pains. You know. It could be that my back hurts sometimes because my buddy and I Barry and I picked up this small car and put it in the middle of the grass at the high school. Probably why I hurt my back. So when I hurt, there's a reasoning behind it. There are choices that we make. It pays a price. And I think we need to consider that. God, this is the place where you live. And you call me to take care of it. 1 Corinthians 3.16 Your body's called the temple of the Holy Spirit. Take care of it. And there's value in that. Things that we do to abuse it. You know, you guys know the drill. Alcohol abuse, different kind of drugs, um, sex outside of God's plan. Uh, you know, you can eating badly, you know. We can go through the drill, the list. We know them well. But God says, take care of yourself. And, and man, that's, that's important. If you don't feel good, you don't act good. So don't, don't, 
Don't do things that'll that'll make you feel bad. And as he says this here, there, there's real truth to that. Doesn't sound spiritual, but it is. Because he cares about your body. And then third, and so critical, remember the creator of your youth. Finally, he speaks about God. Finally, he's, he's looked so many places for answers. But he comes right back to where he was when all this started. He had a dream and he said, God, I, I'm not wise enough to care for these people and to be a king that makes right decisions. I need your help. And now he comes back and he remembers the God who's helped him. He remembers the God who made him, the God who put him in that position. He remembers. And he responds as he remembers. Um, makes me think of Hannah. As you, I was looking here in First Samuel chapter 1. As she came and, and she was so burdened because she desperately wanted a child. And she prayed and God heard her prayer. And verse 27, it says, I prayed for this child and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord for his whole life will be given over to the Lord and he... He worshipped the Lord there. The Lord heard Hannah, and the Lord hears those that turn to Him. Our lives need to be guided by that Lord. You know, in um, one of the ancient ships, the story is told that there were two compasses to navigate by. One was set at the wheel where the captain steered the ship, but the other was high up in the mast. And literally a crew member had to climb up high in the mast in order to read the compass. And that compass was actually the one that they steered the ship by to get the proper settings, to chart the proper course. And the reason because the vessel was made of iron and because of, of the vessel being made of iron, they did not have uh, a proper reading from the compass. The surroundings affected the readings of the compass. And our surroundings where we live affects our compass. In order to chart our course correctly, we need to climb above where we are. We need to go where He is. We need His guidance. We need Him to direct us. Because if we just simply look for direction by looking around us, we get lost. But when we look above us for the answer, He charts the way correctly. And there's joy and there's fullness in life. So I come to this, end of this message with a challenge to you. Is there joy in your life? Is there a sense of getting up in the morning of saying, God, I, I want you to use me today. I want you to chart my course. And God, I want to see you work in your power, God. If you're a child of God, is, is, is that what you want in your heart? Is that where you are? If it's not, why? Why? We have an altar here to pray at. I'll be at the front. But you may not be a child of God. You know, the, the Bible says that we don't start out as his kids.
He made us in His image. But we've been estranged from Him. We've been cut off from Him because of our sins. We're like kids that are black sheep that have been disconnected from Him and He wants us to be reconnected. And that's what the story of Jesus is about. That's what it means that He died on a cross and He paid the price and He's alive. He came back from the grave. And all you do is just bow your heart to Him and say, Lord, You really did die for me. Enter my life. Forgive me. Make me new. And He says He will. So maybe this is the time for you to do that. I want to be at the front. If God's spoken in your heart, just do business as He speaks. That's all I ask. Let's pray. Lord, thank You for providing life. Full, meaningful life. Lord, help us to live in that life, Lord. If there is one here today who has never received Jesus into their hearts, has never found the forgiveness that You extend, Lord, I pray that change right now to just bow the heart and just to pray, Lord, forgive me. I've messed up. Forgive me. Lord, just enter my life. Lord, and forgive me of my sin and send me toward heaven, Lord, as a new a new person in You. And Father, when we pray that way, You you do that work. You make us new and You forgive us and You chart a new course, Lord. And Father, I just pray that that occur today. And Father, I pray for others who, Lord, get up and they're so controlled by the compass of this world that they're lost just wandering around. Help us, Lord, not to wander. Help us to be more than a lump. Help us, Lord, to be Your vessel, crafted by You, Lord, going where You want us to go. And just pray, Father, that...